0: So we're in Acts chapter uh, 16, and uh, for our Wednesday night gathering, and I like the word gathering because that's what it is, and I like that sound of it. I think sometimes the words that we use in church and in religious lingo um may not even be understood by people that don't have any church background. Mm -hmm. And I wanted just to begin with this. When we talk about the call of God, Tim Keller wrote a book, Why Calling Matters. And it's a quote that I want to read that I think will set the tone for this discussion tonight. Everyone will be forgotten. Nothing will nothing we do will make any difference. And all good endeavors, even the best, will come to nothing unless there is God. If the God of the Bible exists and there is a true reality beneath and behind this one, and this life is not the only life, then every good endeavor, even the simplest ones, pursued in the response to God's calling can matter forever. Is that good? And I, for me personally, this theme of the calling of God is just so important. I think about it every day. And I grew up in a church uh, in Maine that really emphasized this topic of the calling. And the pastor there, I was a teenager. Every time he'd see me, he says, you got a calling on your life. You know, and I just thought, I'd, and I began to believe it after a while, you know. And without understanding a calling, that we're called by God, we really don't have a compass, a spiritual compass in our life. And we just become people that are blown back and forth by the, the trends of the world and whatever is the most powerful voice that we're hearing. And my wife and I really feel very persuaded about the calling here in Houston. and. Um, It's funny, every time that God has moved us, and these Wednesday nights are kind of personal, so I kind of go off on these rabbit trails sometimes a little bit in the message. But, you know, every time God has moved us in some way, my wife and I, it's always been under different, in a different way. So we have not yet been able to nail down the formula of how God calls and and leads and stuff. But I think there's a few points we can make. But before we do that, in Acts chapter sixteen, I'm going to also break another homiletic rule, and I'm going to talk about two different two different scriptures instead of just one, uh, because I think that they're both important. So John chapter ten, verses two through five. And Martin, can you get me some water from the from that refrigerator? Oh yeah, We're all set. thanks. Okay, yeah, are talking want us. John chapter ten, verse. Verse two and and, and five. Thanks, so. <clears throat> No, I have it for the whole. I have it for the whole thing now mm-hmm. for the message. Yeah. And I think that it, in verses two through five, it gives the, the three steps of the process of God's calling in your life and in my life. And I like the, the progress of these verses. John chapter 10, verse 2, it says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And we know who that is, of course, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And to whom the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Okay, that's Jesus calling his own sheep by name. And this is the first Step in the process of discovering the call of God in your life. That is to hear the voice of Christ. Uh, The call of God is not primarily to do something for God. And I think that that can be very easily misunderstood. Sometimes even in the religious world, people will say, well, what is your calling? Well, my calling is to be a doctor, or my calling is to be a businessman, or my calling is to be this or that. But really the primary call in your life and in my life every day, the first and foremost call of God for you and I, is to hear the voice of the shepherd. That's the first thing. It's, it's not to worry about this situation or that situation. And thanks to technology, um, the, the first call that I get in the morning many times are all the notifications that I have of breaking news, and text messages, and emails from overseas, and Viber calls, and Viber text messages from people overseas. I love it, but I have to, in a disciplined way, in an intentional way, open my Bible, and read, and hear His voice. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, is really that call of Jesus Christ to you and I tonight, and that is, come to me all you are labor, and are heavy laden, And labor and heavy laden is the characteristic of the curse of Adam, isn't it? What was the curse of Adam? Mm -hmm. Two things came out of the garden into the world that we live in today. A marriage and two sinners. (laughs) Those are the two things that came out of the garden. A marriage and two sinners. And those, those two things right there are what this world seems to be all about. Is relationship, marriage and just sinners, and, and labor. And labor came out of the garden. And Jesus says, are you laboring today? Are you laboring in your minds? Are you striving? I do that. I struggle. Remember, as a teenager, just worrying all the time about everything. Just so stressed, worried, 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 worried. And my stomach would be upset, and I'd be worried, and I'd be worried. And because and, uh, when I get worried, I don't want to eat I don't want to sleep. I just want to worry. I just want to worry. And Jesus says, are you worrying? Are you laboring? Are you heavy laden? I love this. This is the first call of God to every person that we meet. Wherever we go today, if we go to the, the plush, lush, luxurious woodlands, which is so impressive. I'm so impressed when I go there all the time. It's like you go there. I, I went to another part of the woodlands Hughes Landing. Have you ever been there? That's where I worked, but... It's like, man, I am so impressed by that place. Everybody looks like they're out of, they're like, the light life is so together or something. I mean, nobody's got any problems there. And it's a facade. I, I, I know. I was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I in a movie here? But they're heavy laden. People are heavy, and they're because the more idealistic the utopia environment appears, the, the heavier the burden, because. Any type of life and in culture that exists outside of the culture of the body of Christ, which is heaven on earth, is a, is a culture that is heavy. you know It's a heavy culture. You go to Germany or some of these countries that really have all of their acts together, and you go there, everything is so beautiful, but it's just so heavy. It's just so heavy. And, um, and Jesus says, "Come to me and I will give you rest. I love that, because sometimes in the morning, we find things out we get an email we get a notification and we're like oh my gosh this is crazy i can't even believe that and that happened to me this morning and i was like oh my gosh so so i was like i couldn't even prepare for tonight i was just trying to figure this all out and and i thought of this verse come unto me and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you you know a lot of times as christians we could be just we could be take we could have the wrong yoke you know we could have the wrong yoke. A yoke was that wooden um, brace that went around two or more beasts of burden, and the purpose of it was to break the pressure of the load into uh, manageable pieces. But there was always, in these Jewish yokes, there was always one beast that was the more powerful dominant beast in in the yoke so that the second weaker beast would not have to bear the full load this is what is being said here that Jesus bore our full load it's just great my wife and i talk about this sometimes like you know because in the world of business uh, there can be a lot of pressure but it's just so awesome that god is the god is our chief partner he's our senior partner i don't know what you guys do for i don't know if you're into business or if you what with your career or what you do for work but i think sometimes it can just become the, the load can be unbelievable. And I love Isaiah chapter 10. I've never heard a message preached on it. I think it's one of the greatest verses, is that the anointing breaks the yoke. And when we're anointed by God, an anointing comes when you are connected and fellowshipping with who? The anointed one. The anointing is not some mystical experience. It's not some kind of nebulous feeling, but it's a real live communion in the word of life with the anointed one and when we have that anointing in our life what would really break and wipe out the normal person for us is an easy load because jesus is pulling our load can you imagine trying to live your life without jesus without jesus i mean all of us in this room and many of us in this church facing overbearing unbelievable yokes unbelievable burdens you know stuff that we could not just let alone, let alone in the families, right? Family situations. I mean, I know all of us in this room have very interesting family situations. And we couldn't do that without, we couldn't do that without the anointing that comes from being connected with Christ. And so you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. I always laugh when people say, yeah, I'm doing my best. I'm working on myself. You know, how you doing? I'm working on myself. I'm working on it. I'm working at it. And I'm always like, well, let me know how that goes because Jesus already finished the work, and all you have to do is just get yoked up with that. Just come to him and unload on him and say, this is too heavy for me to carry. And it's okay to say that. That's that's actually true humility when we say, I cannot carry this load, um, and he gives us, he gives us rest. Uh, sometimes people say, I think that what you do in church planning or pastoring, I could never do that. It's like, yeah, you couldn't. Neil says this all the time, church planning is not for the, the faint of heart. Sure. And it's true. And, and I know we all know that because we're all in the middle of it. But why is it easy for us? Because there's an anointing in my life, in our lives. In this church, there's an anointing. There's an anointing in this group. And when you have a group of people such as yourselves that are walking with God in your, in your personal life and, I, and rebounding when we fail, there's going to be an anointing in your life. You're and that where and when when you get a group of people together that have an anointing in their life, it's gonna be anointed. Right? And so this is an anointed group of people. And this is what people need. People walk through these doors sometimes. They're new. And I remember coming into the fellowship for the first time and just sensing the atmosphere was like I was like it was I was a kid, I was eleven years old, but I could and I I had I had no spiritual discernment in my life. But I could sense it was just really a different place. I could sense there was this it was electric. It was alive. it was there was an anointing. And so what's the first step of the process of the call? Jesus calls us to himself, right? Jesus calls us to himself. Before we even think about doing something for God, I know many of us are jumping into the band or jumping into Sunday school, jumping into just different things, and jumping into speaking. But I think the first thing that really we really want to always be, because we're going to burn out. We're going to burn out if we, if we don't. First thing that we want to always make sure that Sunday morning when we wake up is, uh, am I bearing the easy burden? And, you know, the, the, the task may be very hard. No one's saying the task is easy. No one's saying that life is easy. No one's saying that life is fair. But what we are saying is, is that we have something that the world doesn't have, and that's a, that's a yoke because of an anointing anointing that normally things that we go through are just going to mess people up drive them to drinking drugs alternative relationships whatever that means you know stuff out there the internet the second thing that god jesus that jesus calls us into so that's verses two and three uh to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice which is saying come to me and he calls his own sheep by name I just want to say, have you ever heard Jesus call you by name? Have you ever, I, and it's so unique, isn't it? It's like when Jesus saw Mary at the resurrection. Jesus said, "Mary," you know, and and I think that at that moment she knew that this was not the the gardener. This was, this was her Savior. The second thing that Jesus calls us into, in John chapter ten, verse three, the next verse is, is fellowship into a fellowship. Now, I just personally have been very persuaded, and this verse here says, and leads them out, and leads them out. What does that mean? Well, there's a Greek word, ecclesia, which means to be called out. It's a group of individuals that are called out. We are called out of our personal cultures, out of our personal comfort zones. We're called out of our personal problems. We're called out of a lot of things, and we're called into something. And this is the second process of the call of God. First he calls, him to, calls us to himself, then he calls us into a fellowship. And I, I really believe that God has a specific plan for a specific church for every Christian. I don't think that going to church is like going to a restaurant that we go to a different one every week because there's no permanency in relationship there. We've been created for permanency. We all long for that, don't we? We all long for a place to call home. Growing up, I think your kids would be... You would be very upset at your kids if every every night they were going to somebody else's house for dinner because you want them home and you want to cook for them and you want to be with them. And this is the way it is. I believe that God, that Jesus, we listen to the voice of Jesus. And for you that are here today and feel that this is your place, I think you heard the voice of Jesus, the voice of the shepherd saying, I'm calling you out into this. And I think that I, I personally... Believe that, like, I would never make a decision. And 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 I I'm not, I know Tatiana's moving, and I'm not talking to you, Tatiana. I'm just making a point here. Okay, don't feel like I'm preaching at Tatiana. tonight <laughs> I, am just saying that like, that like wherever I go, and we've talked, and she totally agrees with this. I'm, I'm not even saying this about you. I'm just saying this in principle. Are you gotta you got to say it these days because everybody thinks people are preaching at them. But uh, I, I like. Geography for me is pivotal on a healthy relation, a healthy, a healthy church. Like, is there a church there? You know, is there a place? And if not, uh, we're gonna we're gonna start one. You know, and when I know when Tony and and, and Daphne moved down here before the Lions moved down here, uh, Tony was on the, on Facebook. He was just like, get down here, start something, right? You know, and 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 same with Sean when he got down here, and, he, and I know Eduardo was calling it's just I never got any of those phone calls and I didn't know and so my brother said something to me and we visited but he calls us into a fellowship he calls us out and into something and we really need that you know we really need that our kids need that Um, our family our marriage needs that you know we need that personally we need a fellowship and number three he sends us into the world to be witnesses unto him and this is verses four through five and when he has brought out all his own ecclesia he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice a stranger they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers i think this talks about missions acts verse one, acts one verse eight jesus says i'm sending you out to be witnesses unto me into the world you know one of the questions oftentimes that we could ask other christians is what is your relationship with unsaved people? I think that the church life can become so awesome that we no longer have any relationship with unsaved people. And I think that's important, me as a pastor and me, you know, we as people that are Christians, that we would really have, uh, we would assess all of our relationships with the unsaved that we, you know. My wife and I, we always like to pick one restaurant. I don't know why. We just like to pick one place to eat. And we just go there and we just develop a relationship with the owner, the 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 uh, the the owner of the establishment because we want to be in in the end a witness to we want to share the gospel with people and you know my brother-in-law lives in a small town in poland and there's no church near him you know and i always think about that like it'd be great to see something happen near there and that would be great to see happen and if there's not a, a church where you are now maybe a church will start you know maybe that is where god is beginning to do something and so when he brings out his own, he goes before them. And I just want to say that that before God moves in your life, He always goes before you. You know, He always goes before you. And when He goes before you, remember in the in the in the book of Joshua where God said to the Israelites, He said, um, "Make sure that there is a distance between you and the ark." Remember that. Mm-hmm. There's that distance. And you could still see the ark, but it was far, far, far away. And and there had to be that distance. The ark of the presence of God was always in the middle of Israel, always in the middle of the children of Israel, in the midst of the Hebrews. And that was because he that was John chapter one, Jesus co, uh, he indwells, he cohabits, he he is in the midst of his body. But for the first time, the the ark is way off in the distance. And I think that this happens sometimes in believers' lives because. God is causing a bit of a discomfort, a bit of an aggravated um, circumstance where we are uh, provoked and maybe somewhat annoyed at our spiritual situation because God wants to create a healthy sense of discontentment so that we seek his face, right? We see this in the book of Song of Solomon, you know, that the, that the, the beloved, she wakes up and she doesn't see her, 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 her lover, and she says, "Where have you gone? I can smell his fragrance on the door handle. You have disappeared." I don't. And she goes out and finds him. And sometimes God does this. He goes before us. And this is what happens with this is what happens with Paul in Acts chapter sixteen. But before we go there, I just want to hit one point about the nature of the calling of God. Um, when we think about the call of God, and when we talk about the call of God, I'm just talking about um, the three processes, but any any circumstance in our life we always want to ask God like what is your will like what is your will like you know we're planning out what our summer is going to look like and I'm just thinking the whole time like okay this looks financially feasible but what is really God's will you know and I want to hear from God about God's will because then I have peace when there's trouble like you know if we've prayed about it and 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 then there's trouble we have peace right because we have an inner conviction about it because we prayed it through but if we make a decision and we haven't prayed about it, and then we get into the situation and there's trouble, we have no peace. And we have no personal conviction that we're in God's will. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so the nature of Him who's calling, and there's a lot of things that are calling each of us today. Some of these calls will be answered and others will not be heard. Uh, m- many of us, um, the majority of Christians cannot, I can't say the majority, but many Christians cannot hear anything but themselves and therefore they don't hear anything that God says often that God has to bring us to a place where we can hear the call of God and that happens many times because of a crisis because of a crisis sometimes God orchestrates crises in our life because he wants to peel away the onion layers that we talked about on Sunday he wants to get down to the core of where we're at and sometimes We can't hear what God is saying unless there is a crisis. And that's okay because that's the way it is. God has to deal with us sometimes that way. And so we don't want to ever forget the nature of him who's calling us, and that is the shepherd, Jesus Christ, that God does not. I remember pulling into the the driveway of the place where we're living now for the first time, and there was this big sign Remember, honey, Kathy's big sign. It said, "The, uh, has said the will of God will not take us, where His grace will not keep us, will not will provide for us." Big, huge sign right in the garage, you know. And we were thinking about renting this place. And I was like, "Well, I think that that's a sign from God, right there. That we're supposed to rent this place." You know, a big, big. And it's every time I, every time we pull into the garage, it, it's right there. It's staring us right in the face, and that's always an thing to see that even when god goes before us and we don't sense his nearness but we see him afar off moving down in the distance it's okay that causes some discomfort but that discomfort is is on purpose so that we would be stirred up to seek his face okay let's go to Acts 16 and we'll just take a look at this and then we can just you know make some comments Acts 16 verses 6 through 10 and Um, There's a lot happening in Acts chapter 16 through Acts 19. I'll just quickly say it because we have Wednesday night, tonight, uh, 16 through 19, and then Sunday 19 through the end of the book, and we'll be done with the book of Acts. And so Acts chapter 16 through 19 uh, handles um, a lot of um, Paul's missionary experience. We're seeing the second missionary journey of Paul. and we're seeing, um, uh, we're seeing just some incredible, incredible miracles in the book of Acts chapter 16. We're seeing Acts chapter 17 um, responses and more persecution Acts chapter 18. Uh, the ministry of Paul towards the Corinthians begins, which was the Corinthian church. I'm so excited. I think I'm going to teach on this book. I'm just going to go through the book of Corinthians. Uh, the Corinthian church was a dysfunctional but very wealthy and very gifted church. Sound familiar? <laughs> and I love the book of, Book of Corinthians because two big books written about some very complicated and very specific issues that a lot of us face today. A lot of us face today, and so, uh, Lord willing, we'll start that series soon. But that's Acts chapter eighteen. Uh, Paul is frightened in the will of God, In Acts chapter eighteen, he's worried. Uh, he's he has a moment there. God understands that he's 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 wavering about the will of God and he says Paul uh, he says Paul fear not for I have many people in this city for you. And I want to say that to you and I tonight fear not for God has many people for you in this city. That God has called us here. God has a plan. Don't live in fear because God has a lot he has people for your lives and that is the encouraging um voice of God. And so Acts chapter 16 verse 6 Let's read verses 6 through 10, and then we'll just make a few comments. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, which is central Turkey, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's interesting that the Holy Spirit would forbid Paul and his team to speak the word in Asia. Um, Why would that happen? I mean, that's happened to my wife and I. We've moved in a direction... And, God, and the Holy Spirit just forbade us, forbade us not. Why? Because we see later on that another apostle is sent to this area and has an incredible ministry later on down the road, Peter. Uh, right location, wrong man. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit says to Paul, hey, you're, you're right on track, but I got another guy for this, don't worry about it. I remember one time being in Odessa, Ukraine, thinking about the awesome opportunity there. Standing at the beach of the Black Sea thinking, God, is this your will for us to move here? And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking so clearly, I have another man for this job. And I really wanted to move there. I loved the city. I thought it was awesome. And (laughs) my wife wasn't so into the idea. (laughs) And God didn't speak to my wife either because it wasn't God's will. So that was very simple. And so why did that happen? Because forbidden is a very strong word, isn't it? It's like, you are not going there. I don't want to hear about this again, right? right. right. Like, this is what God said to Moses. Moses is like, please, I want to go to the promised land. And then God says to Moses, you are not going, and I don't want to hear of this again. It's like, he's got, the Holy Spirit just shuts down the whole thing. And as parents, when we do that with our kids or when that's happening to us, it's not a very pleasant experience. So Paul's like, okay, well, whatever. Um, not whatever, but I guess that's the will of God. He begins to move in the northern direction. And, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia. But, and I like the ESV brings this out in a, in a way I never saw it before, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. This is more of a, uh, more of a gentler rebuke. Paul in his, and I think he was a type A, mm-hmm. apostle, rugged man, gets stoned in Lystra we talked about that last week stoned I mean literally stoned and he's he's left for dead probably has broken bones maybe fractured skull maybe something happens to his eye because we read about later Uh, he's writing to the Corinthians you see how I write with such big letters maybe we don't know but maybe something has happened to the eye socket I don't know because of the, the stonings that he's been through he walks right back into Lystra he's out of his mind and yet there's a lot of natural ambition i'm sure that paul has that that the holy spirit has to deal with and so paul is rebuked and then he's now a little more sensitive to the to the voice of the trinity and then now jesus speaks the spirit of jesus speaks which is a more of a gentler spirit of the of the spirit of the shepherd i remember being in ukraine one time just visiting there not having any plan to move there we had this had just happened when Ukraine declared its independence as a nation, and march uh, was it winter of ninety one or i don't remember March is when they declared independence, but it was around that time, and we were my wife and I were visiting with a group of Polish people from our church in Krakow God was really moving and I had just I was going back to the train station to get a train back to my home in Krakow, and I remember sitting in this streetcar, that was more of like a carnival ride than it was a streetcar, and and I remember just thinking about the meeting that we had, all those people that came out, that were looking for that wanted a church, that were like so, just looking for God, and I remember I remember like the I remember so clearly Spirit of Jesus speaking to me. Would you come here and shepherd these people? But he said it in a way that you don't have to. Like, I felt like I had a choice, like, okay, I don't have to do this. But it's like the spirit of the shepherd is asking. And I felt, so, I felt like the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and I went back to the church in Krakow, and I know the pastor of the church had kind of a different plan for Ukraine. He wanted to send Polish pastors there. And I was like, I don't know, I, I'd like to go, you know. And it worked out that I was sent by the church to go. And the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go. And so passing by Misha, I like how they keep moving. You know, when God closes doors in your life, don't get discouraged. Sure. Just keep moving. Because closed doors are as much a part of our education as open doors. And I think a big no sometimes is very healthy for us. When you get a big, that, when the door slams in your face, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It's happened to me. It's a it's a good experience. It's a very humbling experience, and it and it, it makes us more dependent on God. And so they, they he, so if you look at Turkey, okay, Paul comes up from um, Pamphylia. He's up now in central Turkey, goes to, uh, moves around in central Turkey, uh, moves north, tries to go toward Bithynia, and there's nowhere to go. There's back home, or there is west, due west and due west. He starts moving due west and as he's as he's moving down due due west, he hits a city called Troas. Troas is the last big city on um on that part of the Turkish peninsula on the Mediterranean, Aegean Sea. And he hits Troas and he can't go any farther. And he's just kind of he's just kind of moving along. Sometimes like God can lead a person by direct, directly speaking to them, and then sometimes we're just kind of taking steps. We don't really know what we're doing, but we're just praying, like, God, lead me. And then we wind up in Troas, and there's no he can't go any farther. And in Troas, a vision appears to Paul in the night. And I like that, in the night, because when does God speak to us the most? In the dark times of our life, you know, when it's really dark. <laughs> you know, in that darkness of night, and maybe even in the nighttime time. The physical night God speaks to us a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him saying come over to Macedonia and help us I love that we don't know where he comes from we don't know any details about does he just poof he's there or but there is standing there a man of Macedonia to help us now when we read chapter 17 when we read about the ministry of Paul in Macedonia we don't really read of any man appearing to him saying thanks for coming There are some men, like there's a a Philippian jailer that could save with his family. But I don't know. Is that the Macedonian man? I don't know. I like to think that the Macedonian man here is Jesus Christ. That Jesus appears to Paul in the form of a Macedonian man for the purpose of giving Paul a vision for that, that area. And I think that God speaks to us that way. He gives us a graphic picture of a need. And you hear the voice of God in the need. I mean, you hear the voice of God through the need. Now, we have to be careful. Need does not constitute the calling. We know that, right? Need, if we are led by need only, then we become a spiritual UN or humanitarian operation where we are wearing ourselves out. And that's not necessarily the will of God. And he, come, he says, and I like this, when Paul had seen the vision immediately, I love that, immediately. That word in the Greek is such a unique word in the Greek. Like, I remember many times not knowing if I was going to go on a mission trip or not or if I was going to do this or not, and then finally getting that clearing from God or from the church, leadership in the church when I was in Baltimore. Like, the first thing I would do is I'd jump on the Internet and start looking for plane tickets and train tickets and, like, you know, and I know this a feeling of immediate, like, like this excitement, like we are excited. We're going to go. We're going to do this. Let's, you know, let's start gathering information. And immediately it says, we sought to go into Macedonia. Like how do we get there? Who we know that's from Macedonia? Who speaks the language, you know? And, and so he begins to move in that direction, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so there's three types of responses to the call of God. And I want us to just talk about this here. Number one the response to the perfect will of God. And this is all in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. There's the perfect will of God. And we teach here that there is the perfect will of God, which is the will of God that God really wants us in, like the perfect will of God. And that's what I think all of us want. Then there's the permissive will of God, which is something that God allows people to enter into because we are are creatures and agents of free will. God allows us to... Like he allows Abraham to go down into Egypt because of a famine in the land, which is not God's perfect will. It's his permissive will. He permits it. um, But this always leads to a lack of covering of God and exposure. I'm sorry. It leads to a spiritual malnutrition. It always leads to spiritual malnutrition. And then there's a third type of will of God, which is just outside the will of God, totally outside of the will of God, just doing like Jonah, leaving, jumping in the water, saying, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to Nineveh. These people do not deserve the gospel. Of Nineveh, these people, uh, they sacrifice their babies. They're a bunch of barbarians. I hate them. I'm not going to go there. And that's God's perfect will. But he leaves the perfect will of God and he winds up with a lack of covering and exposure to the spiritual elements of this world system under Satan. So I just want to, There's two quotes I want to read at the end, but I want to park there for a minute. And I want us to just kind of discuss this for a few minutes. Any thoughts about um, these types of will of God that we just mentioned or anything from the scripture that has jogged your your mind? Any comments? Anyone that have any thoughts?